Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this marathon. At this point in a normal show, we would be saying, well, we're entering a little bit of overtime here. <laughs> we're entering a lot of overtime now. We are getting ready to second episode of, this, of the day, if you want to call it that, as we enter hour number three here on Hoopsville. We have, let's see, five more episodes of the show. So, you know, 10 more hours to go. We're just two hours in. We're just tuning on up, as it were. We are coming from you from the WBCA NABC studios, and especially thanks to our partners at the City of Salem for sponsoring the hotline. Staying in the region, switching uh, from Central, uh, switching into the uh, Midwest Conference, if you haven't been paying attention. The Midwest Conference is actually a pretty fascinating conference to be paying attention to right now on the men's side. There is a four-way tie atop the conference between St. Norbert, Ripon, Lake Forest, and Monmouth, Lawrence, Grinnell, and Cornell, Link, uh, lurking just behind all of those teams above 500. All those teams having pretty good seasons. We had to pick one and gambled on what might happen. So we went with our good friends at St. Norbert, Gary Gresh, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Though coming off a loss, I'm surprised he wants to take the time. Coach, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dave. Even though we lost the other night, I appreciate it. Yeah, I lost to Rippon on Tuesday night, 76-61. And, Mom, and Rippon's now gotten you twice uh this has been a, a different season not only for you guys you're still 15 and 5 and 10 and 3 in conference but a different season in the conference the midwest has gotten a lot deeper very quickly a absolutely right now there's a, a four-way tie for first and like you said a number of teams right there that are vying for one of the four spots in our conference tournament but i think you can point to the the strength of schedule and the one loss record of all our teams in the non-conference portion, and you can tell that our league has gotten significantly better from last year. Yeah, uh, Grinnell now under the younger Arsenault has tweaked themselves to some bit. Uh, they've made themselves a challenge. Ripon has entered this conversation. Monmouth's entered this conversation. It, it doesn't take away from anybody else who's also kind of stepped up. Has that is that almost changed how you've had to prepare for games this season, or has it made it maybe? Um, you're taking more time to prepare than you normally would. No, I think our approach to e each and every game is, has been the, the same. Um, we've been a little bit spoiled with our, our, our schedule. You know, last year we, we had a renovation to our facility, so all our non-conference games last year mm -hmm. were on the road. This year we started out um, all our non-conference games at home. So literally our first road game was December 6th at Lawrence, which is only a 30-minute drive. And then our next uh, trip after that wasn't until the middle of January when we went on the the back-to-back -back weekend to Illinois College in Monmouth. So I, I think some of that we were a little bit spoiled early on, the fact that we had all these games at home in the non-conference, and even within the conference we had four straight um, games at home in the conference as well. Uh, that is the interesting part. The other problem is the non-conference has tripped you up a little bit this season. I think uh, it's one of those oddballs for me. I'm, I'm used to you guys grabbing some big wins. Now you beat Benedictine, but they're not the same. Um, Oshkosh tripped you up. The Stevens Point win now is starting to look a lot better than it did <laughs> earlier in the season, to be honest. Stevens Point now in control of the WIAC, which is fascinating to see. Um, but Whitewater got you guys as well. It it's, feels like it's a mixed bag of a season from my point of view. I'm all the way over here. Um, is it a mixed bag from your aspect as well? Yeah, we, we've been a little bit up and down. We had some injuries early on. Connor, Connor Curtis, um, our, our starting center right now, did not play up until our Christmas tournament um, on, on 
December 29th and 30th were his first two games. And so we've had a lot of different moving parts and moving pieces and different lineups, and we've just been, like you said, a little bit inconsistent, whether it's our offense at one game, our defense another game, and then just our personnel and rotation and, and lineups. So I, I do think we, we definitely challenged ourselves with the non-conference schedule. Eau Claire is a good team. Um, Benedictine is an excellent team. The Oshkosh loss was a very close game. And then, like you said, beating Stevens Point um, was a quality win as well. So we definitely uh, challenged ourselves. In, in the past, we only had the 23 um, total games, which limited our non-conference schedule to five. And, and the conference changed that this year. So right. we were able to add two additional games and quality opponents with those two games. Yeah, and I know you were one who was looking forward to that ability to, to, to kind of open up the 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 things a little bit to open up the opportunities to play some more games non-conference though I'm sure it's also challenged you to some degree um when you look at those injuries and you look at what has thus had to been basically a rotating team you've had to use different starting lineups you've had to go differently off the bench how do you keep the guys focused and and understanding those changes but more importantly understanding their at constantly ever changing roles on the team well, yeah, I, I think um, we, we do have a lot of depth, which, which makes it hard, and there's also a lot of parity, which makes it even harder. So we're constantly trying to evaluate uh, our guys on a daily basis in practice and hold them accountable for, for having good practices or bad practices. And you can do that with whether they're starting, coming off the bench, or, or playing time. Um, so it, it's difficult. It's not clear-cut. In, in past years, maybe we had a set starting five or a starting yeah. rotation, um, guys coming off the bench. And this year there's a little bit more gray area and different moving parts uh, with the injuries and just how we've played overall. And you've had seven different starters, but more importantly, you played a lot of guys deep off the bench uh, on this team that is averaging 71 points a game uh, and giving up 62 points a game per se. Uh, DJ Devalk leads the team at 16 points a game. Uh, Michael, uh, is it Reinthaler? M- Mitchell Reinthaler, Mitchell. Yep. I said Michael. Yeah. I apologize. Ken, uh, apparently the contacts aren't working today. That's, That's a right. bad <laughs> sign for the rest of the show. Uh, Mitchell, 14.5 points a game, team high 7.5 rebounds. Uh, Connor Curtis was seven or 12.5 points a game as well. And other guys certainly contributing outside of that. It's, it's a mixture, as you pointed out, and it's been one of those oddball seasons. But – what is the stats not telling us about the contributions these guys are, are presenting to the team? As far as our leading score or just, just in overall? general, the overall? Yeah, I, I think our bedrock um, has been our defense over the last number of years, um, and that certainly is the case this year. Um, we've had a number of different contributions, um, although DJ and Mitch have been our leaders and should be as our, as our seniors right. um, from an offensive and defensive end. Um, and then we've gotten different contributions from different guys on, on different nights. So um, you, can, you can hopefully count on those two guys as seniors to be very consistent, and then hopefully we get a little more consistency from the rest of those guys coming off the bench. But certainly our, our defense has been kind of our calling card and our, our rock and our foundation, and if we're going to have the type of season that we want to have, that's going to be the case uh, going forward. In the conference race, what's interesting is Rippon showed kind of this was coming. We saw it from them last year. They were 20-6, and 14-4 in the conference. Lake Forest, though, 14-11 in the last year, 12-11 and 11 the year before. So they've already met their win total, haven't had a win total like this since 2012. Monmouth has met the win total. They've been kind of up and down all over the place. 
you guys have dominated this conference for so long. Yes, you've had your your stubs of the toes, as it were, every season. But you've been in control of the Midwest Conference, especially by this point, every single year that, or for the last five, let's argue. Um, is it how different is it to now have so many more teams involved in this? And on top of that, how hard is it to keep the guys understanding that this isn't the same? Ripping squad. This isn't the same Lake Forest squad or Mama squad that we've been used to for the last few years. Well, I think our guys are pretty in tune to what, what's going around in the conference. I think we were the one team within the league that lost uh, three seniors starters from last year, and mm-hmm. I think the rest of our conference, every team returned at least three, if not more. So I, I think our guys understood there were some significant losses from last year's team and that the rest of the league returned a lot of a lot of quality players and starters. So it, it is, and once you get in the league, it's very competitive night in, night out. Yeah, we've talked about the Grinnell scenario where you have to adjust to them to some degree, but at the same time, they've even made some adjustments this year. Juniors kind of added some twists and changed a little bit for how they play, quote-unquote, the system. Has that been tough for you, too, to go, oh, oh, wait, he's doing something different? Or do you still go into the same mentality? I think you kind of go into the same mentality. I don't think they've changed too much um, from from who they are and what their identity is. Um, we are fortunate we caught them um, at home on yep. the first um, Saturday earlier in the season. We still have to go down there to yep. Grinnell on a Saturday. Um, but I think they're, they're, the, the system and how they play is pretty similar to what it's always been. Um, and you know you're going to see relentless pressure from them for 40 minutes, and you've got to take care of the basketball, break the press, and then uh, defend the three-point line. You're in the midst of basically the battle for first place. Rippon's got got you last night, and and now has won back you know both of them, but you've still got Mammoth out of you, and then Lake Forest twice in the next five games in a quirk of the schedule. You'll play them at home first, then it's Grinnell on the road, Lake Forest on the road, Beloit on the road. You got an interesting hodgepodge here because you're playing a lot of the top teams, and then that very last game, which could have a lot on the on the line is against the team at the bottom of the conference. This is this is an interesting test for you guys to finish it out. Yep, it's by far our toughest stretch for sure. Um, but we don't want to let our guys get too far ahead. We're really concentrating, how, how do we get better today in practice? And we really need to focus in on that. Um, I, I know they're aware of the schedule. Um, they're aware that we play Lake Forest twice. Um, but really everything for us is going to start in practice, and hopefully we can continue to get better. There's um, not a lot of games left, but hopefully a lot of season. And if we don't get better in practice each and every day, we're not going to achieve what we're capable of as a team. The Central Region's incredibly tough this season. The WIAC has been a battle. The CCIW has been a battle. Both conferences with really good teams. Wash U looks like a juggernaut right now. You guys have picked up a few extra losses than you normally have, maybe on the outside looking in when it comes to regional rankings. Has that had to I assume you've always had the mentality that you got to go win the AQ, but for some years you've had a little bit of a stopgap, maybe a, a, a the ability to come into this with a with an at-large opportunity. That may not happen this year. Do you have to really kind of drive home the fact, especially maybe the seniors, that we need to win the AQ? Well, I think that's pretty much been our mentality each and every year, um, even when we've gone into the postseason with only a, a couple of losses. Um, now this year our strength of schedule numbers might be a little bit better, mm-hmm. um, but our, our losses, our number of losses within the league has certainly hurt us. So yeah. I, I think realistically you're looking at um, the only possible way to get into the um, NCAA tournament is with the automatic bid. 
Yeah, uh, it looks that way as well. Though some years you've also been trying to play for a chance to host at home, which I know has been important. This year it's just a matter of getting the job done, correct? Yeah, yep. And, and like with the six games left, we, we face the toughest part of our schedule. Um, it, it'll be interesting because I know on Saturday – um, Rippon is going to go and play against Lake Forest. We mm-hmm. play against Monmouth. So at the end of the day on Saturday, there's only going to be two teams in first place, and it's going to sort itself out here right. um, over the next couple of weeks. Well, again, you're playing Lake Forest twice in the next five games. That will help uh, f- kind of shake things up as well. Um, real quick question before we let you go. A little uh, in a little lengthy delay here since you played Rippon on Tuesday before Monmouth. Is this the type of scenario where you make sure to give the guys maybe a day off just to give them a break here as you grind through, or do you have to keep grinding, as it were? No, I, I think this this time of the year it's important to keep your kids fresh, uh, both physically and mentally. So Wednesday was our, our day off, and then we'll have two days today and tomorrow to get ready for the Monmouth game. Um, but we have a, a mix of some, some older guys that <laughs> their legs need the rest, quite frankly, um, and then some younger guys where the season gets a little bit long for them. Um, so we gave them off yesterday. We'll have two days of, of good practice here and get ready to play on Saturday. Uh, someone tuning in says you've got a great announcer's voice, sir. So maybe you've got a future outside <laughs> of coaching. Well, I, I don't know about that. I'm enjoying my job that I have yeah, right I now. So I hopefully know. I'm here as long as they'll let me be here. I mean, when you retire, Coach, we're, we're thinking about when you retire, not, not in any other way. Well, i got a number of years. I'm only 44, so i got a couple more years left. I think you got a few. Coach, yeah. thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, fascinating to see the Green Knights situation. Fascinating to see this Midwest Conference race. It's, it's fun. Uh, as always, we give you the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dave, and thanks for everything you do for Division Three basketball. We appreciate it. Well, thanks, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Good luck the rest of the way, and we'll look forward to talking to you. Okay, thank you. Gary Gresh joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, the team 15-5, and 10-3 and three in conference play. I'll admit, even 15-5, and five, I'm kind of like, all right, St. Norbert's having kind of one of their prototypical seasons. But in reality, it's a little different this year because that conference race is so flipped on its head. Uh, they've lost on Monmouth, and they've lost to Ripon twice. They've got Monmouth coming up, and they got Lake Forest coming up twice, plus another rematch with Grinnell. There are a lot of important games ahead. They've got to come out on top of where they won't even be hosting the conference tournament. Fascinating turn of events in the Midwest Conference worth keeping an eye on. Going to take another break. When we come back, we keep this baby rolling. Uh, let's see. We will stay in the region again. Switch back to women's basketball. We'll go down to the CCIW. Fascinating story out of Wheaton, where they are playing in honor of a stricken teammate, as it were, coming up on Saturday. We'll talk about Katie, her battle with cancer, and how the Wheaton Thunder are doing in women's basketball with their head coach, Kent Madsen. That's all coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more uh, after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built. 
the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, and I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The Heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Cheer for the stumbles. The Heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. The marathon continues. We're in hour number three here. We will be going for 12 hours today. Hope you're getting to enjoy it at some point in time. It is, uh, it is what we're doing for the fifth straight year. Yes, we're just that crazy, but we enjoy it as well. Coming up on Saturday night, Wheaton Women will be hosting Elmhurst in what they're calling their version of the Play for K uh, opportunities. They're raising money for Sar Sarcoma Foundation of America. The reason they're raising money for SFA is in April of 2017, Katie McDaniels, who you might remember as a two-time All-American for D3Hoops.com and a three-time All-American for the WBCA, was diagnosed with, I'm not going to say it right, but we'll try, chondrosarcoma, a rare bone cancer. After surgery and treatment, she is cancer-free, which is the great news. She's battled cancer in the past year, and they're honoring her fight with this support of the Sarcoma Foundation of America. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach for the Wheaton Women's Basketball Program. It is Ken Madsen joining us to talk about this good coach, a good cause. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be on the program. Uh, we were we were trying to find a way to get you on the show anyway, um, and we're pacing ourselves. But with this event coming up on Saturday, we certainly want to give it some light. Uh, I imagine just hearing the news in general that Katie had been diagnosed with, with bone cancer was hard enough. But where, where, how did we get from her battle to making sure you did something this Saturday in, in honor of her and awareness? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, uh, once you're a part of a program, you're kind of, it's a, it's a family. And so, you know, when we found out the news last uh, spring uh, of May uh, that uh, Katie was uh, going to be dealing with a battle with cancer, um, you know, it just kind of always puts some things into perspective. And uh, so when we started this year and we knew that we were going to have our cancer awareness game, we just felt like it was obviously uh, just only made sense that we would want the money that we raised to go towards this foundation uh, because of the battle that we have seen uh, 
Katie fight for, you know, these past, uh, whatever, six months or so. Uh, that's the tough part is sometimes you have to watch somebody you know really well go through this battle and at the same time not allow it to distract you or, or um, lower your resolve, as it were. But at the same time, the person like Katie can inspire uh, at the same time. H how has that mix been for you guys in the last little less than a year? Well, absolutely she inspires because, I mean, she's she's taken this on in the same regard that she always played the game of basketball. I mean, she was always a, you know, she wasn't the biggest basketball player by any means, and she played the game fearlessly. And, uh, you know, I think that's the inspiration is she's she's done the same thing with this fight. She's just faced it head on and, you know, I'm going to conquer this type attitude. And, you know, she always remains extremely positive through whatever she goes through. Uh, she has a re remarkable resolve in that manner. She's, uh, <laughs> she controlled the CCIW for much of her career. She ended up finishing uh, first in the CCIW in assists and made free throws, third in points at over 1,700, uh, fourth in made field goals and scoring average at 16.5, ninth in free throw percentage at 62.7, and steals with nearly 190 and 24th in rebounds. She was a huge part of this program. And a lot of players certainly stay in touch with the program after they graduate. But the fact that she had to go through this right after she got done, I'm sure drew her even closer to the program to some degree because I'm sure she leaned back, even though she was done, on her teammates, on the coaching staff, and others for support. Yeah, I think the wonderful thing is she has teammates that are extremely supportive, but, uh, you know, Katie's always been surrounded by a, a loving family that's been, ex you know, and relatives that are extremely supportive, um, and just a lot of different friends from here at Wheaton. Uh, so, you know, she's, she's one of those people that's really blessed uh, to be surrounded by a lot of different people and groups of people uh, that are, are very supportive of her. So we move forward. We have this big uh, fundraiser coming up on um, Saturday. Uh, we should mo mention that. Uh, I can't say it right. Maybe you could. What did she get diagnosed with so we can say it properly? <laughs> Do you know even know how to say it right? Uh, my understanding is chondrosarcoma. Ah, chondrosarcoma. Okay. That's a little yeah. easier than what I was trying to manipulate. Uh, second most <laughs> common primary prone cancer, uh, a malignant. Uh, we're just reading some facts whose tumor cells produce a rare uh, cartilage that results in abnormal bone or cartilage growth. Um, it affects about one percent of adults, which is which is fascinating. But there's not a lot of talk about it. There's a lot of not a lot of fundraising for it. I assume yeah. the fundraising and raising awareness was a slam dunk. I, I assume the details though are not the easy part. Uh, how you put on an event like this? Yeah, well, it was kind of interesting because um, you know Katie had uh, sent some information to us about like a walk runathon uh, 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 a fundraiser for the sarcoma foundation um earlier in the year it was you know one of those events where you know her and her family and people were going to participate in unfortunately it was a day that we were going to be having practice and stuff and so our team <laughs> our team couldn't participate in any way and so this event just seemed the natural way for us to still be able to take part in helping run uh, raise funds for this organization, um, the Sarcoma Foundation of America. You know, uh, just seemed like a natural fit. So, you know, we're really excited. 
that we get to raise money for this. Uh, it's it's amazing because you know we have a, a donor that's willing to match our donations up to ten thousand dollars, and you know that's that's just incredible in itself. So uh, it, it's hopefully going to be a really big event. Yeah, I was going to say the anonymous donors involved that 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 anything up to ten thousand is matched, which is outstanding. Uh, you're yeah. getting the Rikens Rowdies uh, student group at Wheaton involved in this, and usually I know when a student group gets involved, uh, it's game on, as it were, yeah. uh, almost like a team, uh, like your own team, getting involved with this Elmers. And I assume Elmers has got a part in this as well. What's been the reaction from around the league to Katie's news and your efforts? Well, I think you know r- right now it's it's going to start uh, really blowing up today. Um, Today's the day that really a lot of this information is going out of what we're doing and what's happening around campus and everything, um, you know, as we prepare for the the, the game on Saturday. So uh, it will be really interesting to hear what the, the comments and, and just uh, what kind of life this kind of takes on. Now going back to Katie, this is something that blows me away. She was dealing with, and, and all athletes deal with some kind of pain. I know it. Um, yeah. She was yeah. dealing with this since her her sophomore year. They thought, okay, they did some tests. They found a benign, what thought was a benign tumor, kind of diagnosed it as such. It kept being misdiagnosed as this benign tumor. It kept bothering her, which is amazing considering she was central player of the year two years in a row. She was a first multiple first-time our first team All-America for WBCA, and she kept continuing to play at such a high level while dealing with this pain in her leg before finally was diagnosed as this in April. That You experienced what she was going through in the term in, oh, yeah. in terms of pain. Do, do you look back in, in any of a different light now, realizing what she was going through in the, in the long-term things and, and, and how that affected maybe her game? Well, we so we were, you know, because she was... Uh, went through some testing right after her freshman season. So she was, you know, the freshman of the year uh, at many levels after her freshman year. Mm-hmm. And it was actually after her freshman year okay. that she went through some testing and it, and it was, you know, at least something was detected. Okay. And so uh, with some other things, yes, we've, we've had to manage because, again, she's such a fearless player. And, and if you really look at it, a lot of her points came from the free throw line. So, I mean, the girl drove all the time and uh, just had an unbelievable ability to get to the rim and score. Um, so we were, you know, after we found out kind of some other things that were going on with her leg and stuff like that, we've kind of managed, you know, fortunately, you know, looking back, we can say fortunately we've been managing her her last three years. Well, that's good. And by her senior year, honestly, when, when we were in conference play, um, you know, we play every Wednesday and Saturday, and she never practiced on Monday and Thursday. Um, hmm. So she was only practicing a couple times a week and then playing. And, again, that just speaks to the talent level she had um, because she just could fight through a lot of different things, and pain being one of them. She's just always had a tremendous – pain tolerance that's, that's that's for sure that is saying it lightly here uh considering yeah. what she was going through um so that's coming up on saturday against elmers which you're in the middle of a three-game road our home trip elmers will be part of that illinois wesleyan on the other side then north park carroll on the road and then north central to finish things up at home you find yourselves in an interesting position in the cciw race you are second 
behind Illinois Wesleyan by two games. Uh, IW tripped you, got you guys earlier in the season. I'm trying to remember where it was way earlier in the season. Uh, yeah. in, a, in a span where you lost three of four, including to Elmhurst uh, back in early December, and they only beat you by seven. I say they only beat you by seven because they have been dominating this conference, Coach. You guys yeah. find yourself in second, but it feels like it might be a very distant second that you're just trying to manage holding on to second because a game behind you is Elmhurst, a game behind them is Carthage. Yeah. Is first place reality, or or is my read that you're just trying to make sure you stay second more to the to – the, uh, to the line of thinking, as it were. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm probably a, a pretty typical coach in that. I, I don't really worry about things I can't control. So sure. the only thing that I can control is what's what's coming up, which is we're, we're playing Elmhurst College. Yeah. And so our focus is on Elmhurst College and taking one game at a time. And, you know, if we get some breaks along the way, you know, maybe we'll have a chance at first. But, you know, as of right now, we're in second, and we definitely don't want to relinquish that. So we're just going to take one game at a time and and push, and push forward in, in trying to compete at a high level. So I'm going to ask you a loaded question, and I realize you may not answer this. You may duck it by a mile, and that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Illinois Wesleyan, as I said, has been dominating teams in the conference. Heck, they beat North Central and North Park by scoring over 100 and doubling them up. They nearly scored 100 on Augustana. Uh, their next game after a week off will be uh, your squad on the 7th. Are they beatable? They, 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 I, I'm, st- I'm struggling between figuring out, is Illinois Wesleyan just that darn good, or has the conference, no, nothing against it, maybe just kind of taken an, an evolutionary step backwards a little bit, except for IWU, and so we just kind of have this weird discre- discrepancy or disparity this year that we're not used to? No, I, I, I you know, I'm... They're darn good. I mean, okay. there's no doubt about it. I mean, they're they're ranked. You know, I think they could be ranked higher than they, what they are at the, in the national poll. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Do I think they're beatable? Yeah, I think they're beatable. But obviously, any team that plays them has to play one of their best games. There's yeah. absolutely no doubt about that. You just have to play at a really, uh, really at a great level uh, to give yourself a chance to win at the end of the game against them. Yeah, you had them within seven. Uh, feels like a lifetime ago, and that's how the basketball season does feel. Um, yeah. But that was a close game. They don't have a lot of close games, so at least this next one coming up is at home. Though I know you got Elmer's first on Saturday. I know you're focused yeah. on Elmer's first and foremost, and that's not going to be easy either because you did lose to them earlier in the season. This is an important exactly. win. How how tough though was that stretch? Losing three out of four uh, in early December, losing to Chicago, tough team. Illinois Wesleyan and, and, and Elmer's obviously tough teams. How was that stretch, and how did the team come out of it? You know, it was a, it was a tough stretch. You know, I think uh, it was a stretch that you kind of have to do some self-examination and, and figure out what you need to do to, to move forward. So, you know, maybe a blessing in disguise. Nobody ever really wants to go through it. Um, but I think it, it did help us kind of grow up a little bit. Um, you always know there's going to be some growing pains along the way, especially you know when you go from a team last year that had a lot of veteran guards uh, who had played a ton of minutes, yeah. and and then now you're adjusting uh, your personnel a little bit to this year. So you know there's going to be some early challenges along the way, but you know I really feel like the players have have made some great adjustments, and I think that they're playing at a really quality level especially defensively and so you know i'm excited about 
uh, Saturday's game and just as we continue on through the CCIW. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on and talking about the team, talking about the conference, but most importantly, talking about Saturday's Sarcona awareness event for Katie McDonald. I assume Katie will be there. That's just yes. a brand, a grand assumption, but I assume that would be the case. Yes. Are you going to suit her up, maybe see if you can get one more game out of her? <laughs> <laughs> would love to do that yes wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if you could run a fundraiser like that and have the person involved be on the floor for you just just for a one-off just a one-off i'll tell you right now i guarantee you she would love to have that opportunity oh, again. yeah i'm sure and right now elmer's coach is picking up the phone to make sure it doesn't happen uh yeah. <laughs> the last thing they need to scout for is katie to come back on the floor uh coach again thanks for taking the time really appreciate it as always you give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in no, I just I appreciate the time of uh, you know that and the dedication that you have and and really representing a lot of the Division three schools. So, thank you for that. Absolutely, thank you, Coach. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, I will try. You do the same. <laughs> and uh, good luck. Have fun on Saturday at the very least. Good luck in the conference race. I'm sure we'll talk about the Thunder down the road. Thanks. Absolutely. He is Kent Mar- uh, Madston joining us from Wheaton, Illinois. Wheaton Thunder, I should say, from Illinois is what I'm trying to get at. We're having a little bit of a struggle here in the third hour and plenty of show left to go. we got to pace ourselves. Uh, again, Saturday Sarcoma Awareness Event coming up. It's part of the Play for K initiative. Wheaton hosting the Cancer Awareness Event against Elmhurst in the doubleheader. Five and seven o'clock local times. Get out there and you can uh, help them with uh, and, and Katie and her fight against um, her bone cancer. And part of the Sarcoma Foundation of America, Rikens Rowdies are raising money by accepting pledges and donations due to the generosity of an anonymous donor. All donations up to $10,000 will be matched. They have an email address, rikens.rowdies at my.wheaton.edu. I will try and tweet that out here in a minute. But it's R-Y-K-E-N-S dot R-O-W-D-I-E-S at my.wheaton.edu. I'm sure you can get more information on the Wheaton's website. We have already emailed Rikens Rowdies about whether we can make a donation from our end here at Hoopsville as well. We will look forward to hearing back from them and seeing if we can make some arrangements, as it were. Going to take another break. When we come back, we got plenty more show ahead, folks. We are nowhere close to done. Uh, at, uh, we already got an email back from the Rowdies. Um, we'll figure out how to do it. Looks like they've got our Venmo account. Awesome. We may use Venmo to do it. Um, let's see. Coming up next. Where are we going? Oh, yeah, we're heading down to Texas. We got one of the more fascinating stories and one of the more interestingly dressed gentlemen to join us. Rusty Rainbolt joins us from East Texas, and then we'll go out to Pennsylvania and Gina DeRubo from Washington and Jefferson. That's all ahead still here on Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we return here on the Hoopsville Marathon. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was 
huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Sorry about that, folks. Our commercial system decided to get a little weird. Anyway, computers showing a little bit of the signs of this show, and uh, we can understand that. Uh, it also lets us know a few things that we will fix for uh, hopefully if we return the whip around show we did the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. I'm reminded of that by Jay's question about whether it was this show or another one that we had um, Gordon Mann and Ryan Scott in studio. Ryan was actually going to join us in studio here today. Unfortunately, uh, if it's not the flu bug, some bug went through his family and he's not joining us, but uh, hopefully Ryan and, and Gordon will join us again this year and we will up the ante on some of our computer work. We did some huge computer work uh, on the computer last year, uh, upgrading some things that cost us a lot more money than we expected. Uh, thanks to the fundraiser we had last year, it covered those costs, but also killed our chances of traveling this year. Um, we will have to do a few more upgrades to the computer coming up here soon to keep things moving in the right direction. All right, so let's talk uh, women's basketball and continue talking women's basketball. Down in Texas, if you haven't been paying attention, there's a team that is actually playing pretty darn good basketball. Uh, but it's one of those scenarios where you don't know really what to make of it. They were 3-22 and last year, 1-15 in the ASC. East Texas Baptist this year, 16-3, and 10-2. Say what? Uh, there are three losses. Texas Tyler back on the 25th. Texas Dallas back on the 11th. I suggest they stop playing Texas teams. Whitworth back on December 17th. Join us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. It is the head coach of East Texas Baptist, who probably wears some of the more unique suits that I've seen on the floor. It is Rusty Rainbolt. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, glad to be with you. Um, again, I would suggest not playing Texas teams, um, at least ones that have Texas in their name. Uh, Texas Dallas tripped you guys up 59-55. Texas Tyler tripped you up 61-56. I would just avoid the game coming up this weekend against Tyler, and I would just avoid the game at the end of the season against Dallas. I think that works better for you. Well, you know, um, 
uh, it would definitely uh, make things a little easier, but, you know, we like to play good competition, so I think we'll keep them on the schedule as long as they'll keep playing it. Yeah, I had a gut feeling that'd be, that'd be how yeah. things would uh, work out for you guys. Again, 3-22 and last season. Um, the They decided to grab you back into the conference, as it were. You used, you're a former coach of the year in the American Southwest Conference when you um, coached uh, – Concordia, Texas, and McMurray University. You certainly were successful. They pulled you back in, Coach. They pulled you back into this conference, and you've made an immediate impact. What does that mean to you? What does that mean for the program? Well, um, you know, first of all, I would say that I, 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 uh, I feel just very blessed to be able to coach. Uh, I love what I do. I know it's what God's called uh, me and my wife to do is just to be around college-age kids. And so um, the last two years of being out of college coaching and just having to um, get some, you know, get my health back. Uh, it just really put a lot back in perspective of just how amazing this profession is. And when you're doing it for the right reasons, that it is very gratifying. But, uh, you know, and I love, I love Division Three uh, and, and the ASC. I mean, it's very special to us. And like I said, I, I was a graduate assistant at Hardin Simmons in our league and then uh, worked at McMurray and worked at Concordia. And, um, but ASC is a good league. It's always competitive. Um, and, you know, but I'm very, very excited just to be back. Uh, East Texas Baptist is a, a great university and a great situation. It's the best situation I've ever been in professionally. Um, so we're, we're very thankful. Um, and, you know, it's, it has been a crazy uh, experience from what the, the university uh, or the, the program experienced last year um, with the situation and then coming in and having a whole new team and a whole new staff. And uh, just anytime you're trying to take over and rebuild a program, it's a whirlwind and it's a lot of work. But, we have just had a lot of grace, and um, the Lord has been good, and, and we've had a lot more favor in, uh, in terms of winning than probably what anybody expected this soon. But we're, we're thankful, and we have a great group of kids. So You take rebuild to a whole other degree. <clears throat> this team was 3-22. and 22, You're 16-3. and three. There's no way any program I know can bring a recruiting class in in Division three and make that big an impact. Was the talent there the whole time? <laughs> it just wasn't somehow finding a way to the floor? Well, we, um, um, you know, there's there's two returners uh, back from last year's team. Um, so there we have we have 12 total players and two of them are returners. Both are sophomores. Um, both are great kids. They play valuable roles on our team. Um, but we we knew we had to bring in a lot of, um, you know, a lot of different types of um, assets in terms of talent, yes, but experience, yes, and uh, maturity. Uh, and then we needed to find kids that fit uh, what we were about culturally. And every coach talks about that. But the thing that's so important to us is we, we really, really value the Lord and want people to see that we're not as much about chasing championships and winning games as we are playing in a way that promotes, you know, our, our beliefs as an institution and just as people. And that's, that's, you know, that all of our gifts are given by Jesus. And so, you know, to talk about bringing in a, a group of coaches and players that are all new and, and to get it, get it on track the way it has been, has been pretty remarkable, but um, it, it's exciting. It really is. And like I said, the two young ladies that are back are, are great players and great people. And the girls that we've added to it have been, have just been a blessing. That's the crazy part is how much uh, you've blown things up as it were <clears throat> with this program and, and what you guys have done in just the first season. And again, shouldn't be a surprise to many in the ASC. I'm sure they found out East Texas Baptist had rehired, you know, not rehired you, but hired you back into the conference. And they thought to themselves, oh, no, uh, <laughs> we thought we had gotten rid of Rusty. Um, you're led by Kim Childress, 15 points a game practically. Uh, Katie Bourne at, at nine points a game. Madison McCoy and, 
and uh, Carly McHenry. I guess you got to have some mix in your name. I appreciate that as a as a Mick. Uh, nearly yeah. eight, seven plus points a game, and Aaron Meeks, not to be confused, at seven points a game. You're getting a lot of contributions, but clearly Childress is where this thing kind of ticks through. Where when you're shooting 15 points a game. Uh, and hauling down seven rebounds a game while also shooting pretty well from the floor at 51% and 82% from the free throw line. I'm sure it's get Childress the ball and let's see what we can do from there. Well, um, you know, a lot of people would think that, honestly. Yes, um, I did. The thing, that, yeah, the thing that's <laughs> different about our team, and it's always been that way, is we, you know, we press the whole game and we, 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 we run five in, five out. We sub two groups of five, and I'm a big believer in depth. And, um, you know, we – we want kids to come in and play. And so if you, if you just look at our box scores, we don't have anybody that plays. Uh, I, I think Kim maybe plays 25, 26 minutes, and that's probably a little bit skewed because she had to play 40 minutes the other day in a game where we had four, three starters and our backup point guard out. So Kim is actually our four player. She started mm. and played 40 minutes as our point guard. And so, um, but, you know, we have, we, we do believe in balance. We try to play a lot of kids, a lot of minutes. Um, and, most games, everybody scores or everybody logs a rebound, um, you know, but we, we just want people to be able to – we don't want somebody to walk in and say, hey, stop, Kim, and we beat y'all. And, and Kim is a very good player, but we've got a lot of kids that contribute. And so, but Kim is a very, very talented player. She can do it all. Like I said, she has started for us at every single position this year, mm. uh, one, two, three, four, and five, which is pretty unique. And so, um, you know, but she's a, a very – just a very selfless kid has grown so much just in terms of her leadership and her commitment and does a lot of things really well. And it's nice because she's just a sophomore. She's just, you know, just now kind of hitting the, uh, hitting her stride. And so, uh, but you know, it's it, like I said, we have a lot of kids that play a lot of different um, roles and contribute and can contribute in a lot of different ways. And so we're very thankful for that. Uh, she's uh, from Highlands Ranch, Colorado, which is also where Madison McCoy is <laughs> from though. Madison transferred from the Coast Guard Academy. You have mainly right. a Texas team, except for two ladies like Madison and Kim, who come from Colorado, just south of Denver. Uh, and you also have Aaron Meeks, who's from Florida. I'll be honest, I've been to Denver and I've been to Texas. Nothing against Texas. I'm surprised you got them out of the beauty that is Colorado to play in <laughs> Texas. Um, and Aaron Meeks, uh, obviously from Florida. What is it about East Texas Baptist that is that is maybe a draw for those who do live in other parts of the country and, and aren't familiar with Texas? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, uh, you know, no offense to Highlands Ranch, uh, Colorado, or anywhere else, but uh, we feel like here in Texas that people are super friendly, and we do have a, you know, you've got the hunting and the fishing, and and you got the big city life and the country life, and you've got a lot of different stuff around to to enjoy while you're down here in Texas, the big old country sky. So I think the kids really enjoy that when they come down because it is just a little bit different culture than what they're used to, but. Um, you know, ETBU is a very special place, and we talk about it a lot. We we have had, since I got hired March 1st, we have had tons of, of recruits on campus, um, but we're very selective about the young ladies that we, we decide to allow to join us. Um, and, and it's got to be a, a perfect fit. You know, like I said, ETBU is a, uh, a faith-based institution where Jesus is the center of everything we do. And for a young lady to say, hey, I want to be a part of the basketball program, or, or it, it's, it's across the board, athletics, admissions, all of it, I mean, uh, kids understand when you come to ETBU that it's not just about getting a degree. It's not just about playing um, athletics. It's um, it is bigger than that. It's truly about growing in your faith and and developing as a, a Christian leader and, and using the gifts that God's given you in whatever it is, whether it's in science and medicine or it's in you know business or it's athletics, and using that for a greater cause. And so we have found that that kids that are that have that background or have that desire just with their life have really, really enjoyed being here. And I think that's what makes it different and gets, uh, you know, 
Madison and Kim went to Valor Christian, uh, which is the top, you know, uh, school in Colorado. And they were back-to-back state champs and, and had multiple offers, Division One, Division Two. But they did. They wanted something different. As they started looking, they just really felt like that this is the, the right place for them to grow spiritually and just grow as women to be their best. And so, uh, as do all of our kids. But I think that's probably the difference. And we have we have an amazing president that is so committed to making sure that the, the facilities are great and just the, the grounds crew does a good job. And then our professors are amazing. I mean, they pray with the kids in class and they're supporting them in the you know in their endeavors athletically and ever and everything that we do. And so it's just a very close-knit, family-knit environment, and some kids like that, and some kids don't. You know, a lot of kids want to go just to a big state school where they can just kind of be a number and be, you know, just it's easy to be comfortable and and get situated in that and just kind of get lost in the shuffle, but our kids really like the intimate environment and the the high academic standards and the competitive athletic atmosphere, so I do think that's what makes it different and why those kids are willing to say, hey, I can leave, you know, Highlands Ranch, Colorado to come to Marshall, Texas, it's because there is something a little bit different about the university and about our programs, but certainly fascinating uh, to say the least uh, that you you have those draws and, and every school has its uniqueness. You're in the middle of turning things around in the middle of the conference because you got the mirror weekend like we are used to in the UAA. You just got done with Texas Tyler and the Ozarks. Well, you'll get to see Ozarks and Texas Tyler again starting tonight on the road. Appreciate you taking the time to join us live here today. Uh, then you're home against Bellhaven and Louisiana College, and then Laterno, then on the road to finish things up against uh, Texas Tallison and Coach Pollison's um, uh, group. Um, what do you guys have to do here to, quote-unquote, get it done, as it were? You're tied with Texas Dallas in your side of the region uh, or in the division at 10-2 and in conference. Married to Harden Baylor's 10-2 and on the other side with McMurray. Outside of winning, what what do you have to do to get it done and maybe even – sneak away with a, a conference regular season title? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a, a big question. Um, you know, and obviously a lot of things have to fall into place for everybody, but our, and everybody has this, so it's not an excuse, but our, we have, like I said, we have 12 players on our team and we have just been injury riddled all year long. We have not since Christmas break coming back, uh, December 27th. We haven't, we've had 12 total kids. We have not had all 12 of them healthy um, at any point since then, and, and most games we've had either two or three kids out, uh, and they've been, you know, major kids, uh, starters, and, and, you know, the second group off the bench. And so it's, it's very challenging just like tonight. I mean, we've got uh, two starters that won't be able to play because of injuries, and I don't know that they'll be able to play on Saturday. And so that's a big thing for us here right now is just trying to put kids into positions and, and get them to be successful. And so, um, you know, but the biggest thing for us is, like I said, we – you know, to the difference in winning or losing games for us. I mean, all three of those games we lost. UT Tyler the other night. We played that with six kids because we had four kids out, like I said, and um, and we had a we had a ten point lead going in the fourth quarter and ended up just just couldn't quite get it done. Um, the UT Dallas game we had a six point lead with two minutes left in the game and just had some key turnovers and um, and fatigue. But and the thing about the Dallas game was is that was our fourth game in eight days. Um, so we had played, we played uh, a Thursday, Saturday, Monday, and turned around and had to play Thursday against Dallas um, right after the Christmas break. Well, Dallas had been off for 11 straight days, so schedule has been a little bit difficult for us too, just in terms of that, because we've been, we have been kind of behind the eight ball on that. And the Whitworth game, that was our second game in two days, and uh, and they had just flown in and, and played one game, and we had a, a, I think, an eight point lead in the fourth quarter in that game too. So we've been right there for all three of the losses just hadn't found a way to get them done in those three games. But, you know, 
um, when you play good competition, that's going to happen at times. And, and with a young, inexperienced team, we've got to find a way to, to be better. But uh, the biggest thing for us, like I say, I just I think for us, we want to make sure that we stay focused on what we're about. And, and if we can find a way to win every game and win a conference championship in the regular season or in the tournament, that's great. But more importantly, we just we want people to look at us and ask the question, what's different? And, you know, our answer is a team. And, and we want people to know that we just, we don't play for a championship. And we don't play for, you know, conference players of the year or any of that. We play to serve the Lord. And, um, and you know, that's just that's our goal. That's our mission for this team this year. And it will be from now on just um, if, if, we, if we get it done on the court, great. But we just hope we play in a way that people say, wow, what is different? And there is something different about those kids. So, um, and at the end of the day, that's, that's enough for us. You know, every coach wants to win and every player wants to win. But nobody's going to remember in five years who won the the championship of the ASC or the national championship this year. But if you can bring a light to their life and make them just enjoy it, you know, uh, an experience of watching us play, then that's good enough for us. So. Well, some of us will remember who won the championship in the ASC, but I get your point. I get your, I get yeah. your point. Well, you guys, that's what y'all do for You're a living, right, exactly. you know, but for the casual fan. They, they, they sit there and watch and You're right. entertain it. You know, and You're right. athletics is supposed to be entertainment. That was the way it was created. It was supposed to be able to be a stress reliever and something that people can do to take their families and, and be blessed and have a good time. And, and you know this. I mean, I think so many coaches nowadays have gotten to the point where it's about money and pride and fame and ego and uh, and we it, we just make it bigger than it is. Not that it's important, but um, you know these kids they they work hard and they commit, and you want them to be able to enjoy it and have a great experience. And um, you know hopefully we make their lives better and they change our lives for the better. And so that's that's the way it should be, you know. But but it's not always that way. So that's what we want for our team. Sure. Well, coach, congratulations on what has been a fascinating season to say the least. I appreciate you taking the time. Good luck tonight against the Ozarks and this weekend against Texas Tyler. And we'll look forward to seeing how the Tigers do the rest of the way. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, I just appreciate you guys out there supporting and listening. I appreciate you for, for doing this and for promoting, you know, all these kids in division three and uh, very thankful for all of it. So well said coach, good luck. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Rusty Rainbolt joining us here on the Hoopsville Marathon on the City of Salem hotline. Again, they've got some work ahead of them still. They've got the Ozarks tonight, Tyler on Saturday. Uh, is that right? Yeah, Saturday. And then uh, home against Belhaven and Louisiana College next weekend. Before then, a home and home series. They'll have Laterno on the 15th and then at Texas Dollar. I'm sorry, Texas Dallas on the 17th. Uh, Going to take another break as we enter our number four, three hours down. So, f- excuse me, so far. Coming up next, we, uh, let's see, we're Washington Jefferson. We head up to uh, Western Pennsylvania. Talk to a pretty good coach who's in an interesting race herself. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. 
but then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this marathon show as we have officially entered hour number four. Three hours down, we have, we're going to be on the air until 10 o'clock Eastern time. I hope you get to watch or listen and enjoy as much as you can. If you are listening to the podcast, that means we figured out it's always a challenge. On Friday, I have two challenges. One, to get up and want to do something. And two, it's the podcast to turn around. I mean, we figured out how to get the podcast at least turned around for you to enjoy. Um, just a heads up at the end of this hour, if you're tuned in, we may have a hiccup in our stream, uh, just as we try and reset some things, including our recordings and including, um, the simulcast on Facebook. We're only allowed up to four hours on simul on Facebook. And so we're going to have to play around to keep our simulcasts moving. So just keep that in mind. All right. So we're moving on, continuing with women's basketball. We head out to the great lakes region in the PAC. And if you take a look at the standings, no surprise, Thomas Moore is on top 19 and one on the season. 13-0 in the conference. But right behind them is W&J. Washington Jefferson is 17-3 overall, 11-2 in conference play. Their three losses are to Marietta, who's having a top 25 season. Thomas Moore, no surprise, though St. Vincent tripped him up a couple games back. That split the season with St. Vincent, but they've got that rematch with Thomas Moore still ahead, plus four other games. Just how good is Washington Jefferson's seasons this year, and can they do more than just be a conference conversation. Can they get into the NCAA tournament? Well, who knows? One person who would know would be the head coach of W&J. It is Gina DeRubo, and she joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Well, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, I mean, again, this is a team that was 16-10 and 10 last year, 24-6 and 6 the year before that, 14-4, and 21-9. You've had these alternating seasons for a while, but you're always in the – conversation in the middle the top part of the PAC race this year you feel like you're a little bit higher how is it coming across from your point of view well we are we're having a great season um you know we've been pretty steady this year and um we had a little hiccup at St. Vincent you know a week yeah. ago they played a great game but we uh we feel like we've got all the pieces this year you know we've got some experience we have a great point guard and good post player so we feel like we have some really good balance to make a run out of here at the end of the year yeah, certainly um, a good start. St. Vincent, you beat back in early November, so it's one of those tough ones where you play them nearly two months later, and it's a different right. outcome. But you've got a win over Mount Union this season. You you have a tough game with Marietta. Uh, mm-hmm. You had the tough game with Thomas Moore. Building on this, you, you seem to be in, in a good spot. But 
you're also still two games behind Thomas Moore in, in the conference. It feels like the right. same old, same old story, but at the same time, I feel like there's a different chapter being written. How is it from your point of view? Is this? Do you have a chance maybe here to maybe make a surprise this season, or are you also realistic to where you sit? Well, I think a little bit of both. I mean, I think we're realistic to where we sit, um, you know, but our goal has been and has always been to win the conference championship. And, you know, to do that, you have to beat Thomas Moore. So, you know, we feel we played pretty good against them in the first game. You know, it's when you play Thomas Moore, you just can't have those seven-minute or even five-minute letdowns. You know, it's one of those things we compete with them for 35 minutes and then they go on a big run, um, and that – kind of puts the game away. So we continue to talk about not letting that five minutes get the best of you. And, you know, Thomas Moore has been winning for so long. It's, you know, kind of the aura of Thomas Moore you kind of have to get over as well. And you gotta you got to work to make your kids believe you can actually compete with them. Yeah, that's the challenge is, is maybe getting over the aura to some degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know Thomas Moore is a good team, and they've been a good program for a long time. You guys know that as well as anybody right. else does. But at the same time, it doesn't mean they're not beatable, and sometimes it's just a matter of convincing your team, right? That is exactly right, and we spend a lot of time talking about that. You know, I think player for player, you know, we're very skilled, and we can compete with them. You know, um, it's we have those hiccups where I think they're uh, – composure down the stretch and those kinds of things you know like i said it's like a three minute burp that gets you um and we've got to make sure that we can put 40 minutes together so it's that burp you avoid you've got one more game coming with them i know you got four more games we'll get back to that before that point but you do have the finale coming up with them how hard is it to teach not to have that burp I, i see teams all the time talk about consistency and then i don't see it happen or i do see it happen and i know it's more than just saying hey we got to be consistent how do you how do you teach or how do you um, prepare a team to be consistent? Well, I think that's something you have to preach and practice every day. You know, it's a toughness that you've got to somehow instill into your practices. And, you know, we always play the first game with Thomas Moore and we compete in spots. And then I almost feel like the second time around, okay, they know they can do it. You play, you know, 35 team good minutes against a team. So you know you can do it. You know, you know you have the people to compete at that level. You just have to put a whole game together. So it's almost, you know, keeping the score close with them in quarters kind of builds your confidence. Like, hey, they, they don't, they're not going to blow us out by 25. Um, you know, so I think that's just – it's part of that mindset. You just they got to be tough. you got to be tough-minded kids, especially going down to Thomas More. It's a tough place to play. And they're, they're very good and balanced, and they expect to win. Um, and they don't have some of those mishaps that other teams have. Uh, this is interesting enough, the last season, if nobody's aware, that Thomas Moore is in the PAC. They'll become an independent as of next year. So in some degrees, you get rid of, of a long trip and a, a team that has been controlling the conference for a long time. Though mm-hmm. the conference also kind of reshuffles itself a little bit, and you guys are now at the top of the conference, and you have the big target on your backs. And, right. Um, along with every, you know, and, and then the conference takes a little bit of a different shape as well. Looking forward to that opportunity, or are you maybe a little bit um, disappointed that you're going to lose a, a pretty big squad, in t- or maybe even a carrot, maybe like a carrot for right. for everybody? <laughs> a in little sense? bit of both, yeah, okay. to be honest. Um, 
no one enjoys playing Thomas More. No, you know, no lies about yeah, that. Sure. Or traveling down there. Um, you know, I do think it'll bring a, a different mindset um, to the to the rest of the conference teams in terms of you know trying to compete for that conference championship. To be honest, hasn't happened in a long time in the PAC. You're right in that Thomas More has dominated this conference. Um, but our mindset is, you know, we want to we want to win the conference this year while they're still in it. You know, we're not you know we're not happy to settle for. Let's just wait until next year. Right. You know, we feel like we can compete, and our goal um, is to win a conference championship while they're still here. And then you know we'll deal with next year as it comes. Talking to head coach of Washington Jefferson, it is Gina Derubo talking about the president squad as they are seventeen and three, eleven and two in the season. All right, so we know what the three losses can teach us. What has the wins been teaching you guys? Because the one thing that's jumping out to me is you, you have been in control of a lot of conference games. Um, right. You beat Chatham earlier in the year, 86-73, and Teal, 80-46. to One of the closest games I see was Waynesburg at 83-72 and Bethany at 59-48. Um, yes, Grove City was a tight one, 60-55. to mm-hmm. But for the most part, you guys seem to be in a lot of control in these games. What are you learning from that? Well, I think consistency and balance has been, you know, the key. We've got a pretty balanced team and and balanced scoring, and we kind of have some people that can sneak up on you on different nights, which has been a good thing. Um, In January, we've kind of hit a little bump here. You know, and we talk, we continue to talk about building, you know, for the end of your season and building for the conference tournament. So our January is a little odd in that we just came back to class yesterday. Um, oh. So January seems to drag on, and the kids, I swear, they sleep all day. <laughs> um, so that's difficult to keep them up and moving. And yeah. I, I'm happy that they are back in the routine of class, you know, and just a normal college schedule. I thought it was going to be great, and I, the more. It went on. I'm like, oh, they need to get back into this routine. So that's kind of been our challenge in January. Um, so we talked just yesterday about building, you know, and kind of getting back. We've kind of had a little offensive struggle here lately. So we're talking about building, you know, in the next few weeks up to that conference tournament. Um, yeah, I talked to somebody just last night about how I felt I did better uh, as a student athlete when in season than out of season. Uh, I, I, was right. a, I was a fall sport athlete, so my fall semesters right. tended to be better than my spring semesters uh, academically because I had some kind of structure with athletics, so I can totally see it in the other direction, yeah. especially if having right. been sitting at a college over the winter as a, as a, a you know a helper of those basketball teams. I had nothing to do, too. Um, right. So I can get that. When you move forward with these five games ahead, you're on the road at Chatham, uh, home against mm-hmm. Teal, Bethany, and Waynesburg before then making that long haul to Thomas Moore. Right. Uh, what's the message to the team in the locker room on the team bus, et cetera, about sticking to focus here? Because you know Chatham, Teal, Bethany, Waynesburg, I've got you guys sighted up. You know, and that's the thing we try to stress is that teams haven't been able to beat Thomas Moore in a long time. So what's the next best thing? You, you know, the next best thing is us. So, you know, we've definitely got a target on our back as well, and you can't take days off. That You have to be, you know, you've got to show up mentally prepared to play in every game. You know, and St. Vincent came out, and they played great. They were in it, and they were excited, and you could just feel their energy, and they believed they could win, played a great game. So, you know, we can't have any let downs regardless of who we're playing and you know I always preach about it doesn't matter what the score is down or, or up or what you still have to play with the same intensity and um, urgency you know um, no matter what the game is well um, you have this 
behemoth at the end, how do you also keep the team from going, hey, Thomas More is our last game. That's who we need to focus on. Right. Yeah, we had that conversation yesterday, you know. Um, <laughs> And the truth is, when the conference tournament or not when the conference tournament, however that plays out, you know, we want to make the NCAA tournament. That's, that's you know, we want to win the conference championship. If we can't do that, we want to make the NCAA tournament. So we, you know, it's been difficult because you're in a situation where you can't have mess-ups. You know, you don't get to, to take it back because you almost have to be perfect to get that pool C, you know, bid. So we we talked yesterday about you have to win the games you're supposed to. You know, the ones you're supposed to win, you have to be disciplined enough to be ready to play and show up and put yourselves in the best possible position for the conference tournament and for that at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. And they are aware of the urgency of, of not, letting down and hopefully they received that message as a <laughs> reminder again yesterday uh you're led by uh, amara moore uh 14 and a half almost 15 points a game 14 points for danielle parker 13 points for lauren gilbert uh, that's the trio as it were uh rebounding mm-hmm. parker's leading the way with eight you've got a, a steep drop off before in scoring at least before right. with the rest of the team it's that trio as it were and and, and more leading the way with assists but I know there's more than those stats present. How does this team click, and, and what makes them click? Well, I think we share the ball very well, and we have kids that aren't averaging in double figures but can, on any given night, you know, have 12 to 14 points. We've got some shooters that have their, you know, their off days, but you, know, you catch them on a day where they might hit six threes, and that's kind of happened for us. And you know, if you look at my teams over, gosh, the last 20 years, we are – typically a high-powered offense, and we score a lot of points. We have really focused um, the last couple of years on our defense, and this has been the best defensive team we've had in a long time, and I think the kids have really bought into that more, and we're creating a little bit more off of our defense, which um, – I think probably has surprised some people. I've never been known for great defensive teams, I can tell you. <laughs> um, but I think we this is the best group we've had defensively in a long time. And um, so I think they're trying to, to work on that and continue to be better on that end of the floor as well. You know, we've had some years where we'd lose a game 88 to 80. That, mm-hmm. that just should never happen. So we've really spent some time trying to do some, th- some things on the defensive end of the floor. You uh, have an interesting coaching tree. I run into your name several times when talking to other uh, coaches, especially in women's basketball. We had Austin's coach on earlier talking about the experience she gained coming through your system. You're in your 14th season at W&J, and your coaching tree may be subtly growing larger and larger. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you to see former assistants going on to have success as head coaches in, in many different facets of the game? Right. Now, I, it's one of the things I enjoy most, um, and I'm really proud of the kids that have gone on and, and created their own programs. And, you know, we always try to preach the, the entire experience here, and that goes from players and coaches. And uh, Michelle is a great coach at Austin, and uh, we kind of grew up together. I was really young when she uh, worked for me at Bethany and then followed you know me here to WNJ. I, I almost feel like she's a sister here. <laughs> but she's having a great year. And then Emily Hayes and, and Jason's at Misericordia and yeah. Katie Tetzlaw's at Cal, and they're all doing great things. And Honestly, I bet we, you know, it might be two weeks, and that's about the max limit before I hear from one of those guys. And um, they'll call to ask a question, or I'll call them. At this point, I'm also calling them for advice, which is a great sign. Um, but it is great to see them out there and doing well and building their careers. I don't see any of them on your schedule. 
Yeah, well, we played. We, Dickinson came to our tip-off tournament, but we did not play them, thank goodness. And it's funny, and, you know, Rose Scott at Westminster played for me at Bethany years ago. And uh, it's always funny, you watch, especially the younger ones, Coach Hayes at Dickinson, and, like, they're, we're all kind of running the same system. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> And it's funny, no I'm surprise. like, okay, she might call it different, but, you know, that's what we run, too. So it's we kind of get a chuckle out of it. You know, you watch, and it's like, oh, you don't really need to scout because we're kind of all doing the same things. Yeah, defense. Remember what we do every day? Just just keep doing it. We're not doing no scout <laughs> yeah. team today. Uh, that's that's right. That said, still, haven't seen you uh, play any of them uh, recently. I, I see you avoiding no. them at all costs. I don't want to play them, I'll be honest. I don't play I you. play Rose at Westminster every year, twice yep. a year, and yep. uh, that's it. So and Dickinson is coming back to our tip-off again next year, but I won't play him oh, the let, first game. Well, I can tell you that. You know, you could just get it out of the way and do it in the first game right? so you don't have to worry about it possibly popping up in the second game. <laughs> just saying. <That's> true. <laughs> well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk about the Presidents. Uh, a fascinating squad uh, this year, and – you know, I'm, I'm more interested in seeing what happens next year, and that's just the way my brain right. works. But I'm, I'm certainly fascinated to see how the end of this year turns out, and maybe even an NCAA appearance from the presidents. Um, that'll, that's just me being a little geeky on that. But good luck the rest of the way. Big five-game set you. coming up. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Uh, just, you know, thank you guys for all your support. I think you guys do a great job of getting uh, D3 basketball out all across the country, and uh, the coverage you give is pretty impressive. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate it as well. And thank you for taking the time to help us make this show possible. Enjoy no, the rest. You. Of, enjoy the rest of the season. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Absolutely. Gina DeRuba joining us from Washington and Jefferson Women's Basketball. Again, the team is having a pretty good season at 17-3. and three. Last time they lost this few of games was the uh, 14-15 season, but for some reason that's not at – I got them down at 14-4 and four for that. I feel like I'm missing something on that season. Some, oh, they were 21-8. and eight. That's why. Our system is just kicking back a weird season there. So you have to go further back. 23-5, and 24-5, back in 08, 09, 09, 10, uh, to see a season like this from the Presidents. We'll wish them luck as they finish things off with a real tough five-game set here, especially with Thomas Moore on the road. At the end, again, Thomas Moore leaving the PAC after this season. Going to take another break. When we come back, we keep this marathon rolling along. Nothing but live interviews for the first half of this show. We will jump into Virginia and talk CAC basketball on the men's side with Marcus Kahn from Mary Washington. Could Mary Washington finally be kind of developing into the program? I think a lot of us have been expecting from Marcus Kahn for a while now. And just how weird is the CAC race this season? We'll talk to Marcus coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. 
No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Sorry, folks, staring at my computer, trying to figure out what else we can shut down to kind of keep this show coming, moving smoothly. Sorry about that. You just saw me staring at my screen for probably a good amount of time as I look over at the re-air on our simulcast. Uh, welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I know many of you have taken the advantage to do many of that, and we appreciate it. Lots of show to go ahead, and we'll keep moving things along. Now talking men's basketball at this point. And in the Capital Athletic Conference, we've gotten used to Christopher Newport and even uh, Salisbury kind of being the topic of conversation for much of the last few years. Christopher Newport having a little bit of an offseason due to injury. I think they shut um, uh, one of their guys down for the rest of the season uh, due to a surgery. Uh, they may come back just as strong next year, but just not the team we're used to. Salisbury in a little bit of a, a rebuild mode. Might not even make the NCAA tournament at this point. Of course, York has been the 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 top team at 11-2. and two. It's nothing as Christopher Newport or a game behind him. They just haven't looked as strong. Salisbury, though, is in a tie with Mary Washington, who's got a 15-5 and five record this season, 9-4 in conference play. It is already three wins better than last year and marks the win total from two years ago. Remember, this is the Mary Washington squad in 2014 that made a run to the Elite Eight at home, couldn't get over the, the Williams uh, juggernaut. Williams, of course, went on to the national championship with Duncan Robinson as a freshman. They hired Marcus Cotton the next year and went 8-19. and 19. No surprise by those of us who watch. But they finally got this thing turned around. It looks like the Eagles are back into the top of the CAC conversation. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach for um, Mary Washington. It is Marcus Kahn. Thanks, Coach, for taking the time to join us. Well, thanks a lot, Dave, for having me. I appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to come on and talk a little bit. Absolutely. 
this is the fascinating thing is, you know, I we all kind of knew when you left Cabrini and you had taken Cabrini to the very top um, in a lot of ways of what was going on with uh, your team, with 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 going to the NCAA tournament, a shot away from a national championship, proving skeptics wrong about the CSAC, that a good team can come out of there, all those things. We knew that you could do well at Mary Washington. I will say maybe I thought you could do it one year sooner than we're seeing it, and maybe my expectations were out of whack. I'll admit it. From your vantage point, are you at where you thought you were? Are you ahead of the curve or are you behind the curve? Well, I, you know, I don't really know what, what, what the curve should be or should or shouldn't be. I know that we're uh, really focused on getting better every day, and, and I, I, I do kind of agree with you that you know, I thought year three, um, you know, we had it set up year three to maybe be – where we are now, uh, you know, being last year, kind of like you said, but, you know, we lost a couple key guys for that year. And um, I don't want to say to start over, but we had to dig a little deeper and, um, you know, play some guys that we were still hoping we could use last year as a development year. So, you know, and it, it just kind of got a, a little out of whack there, but, um, you know, we uh, stayed focused on, on, on the, on the big goal, the overall goal program every day. And, um, I think that we are right now kind of seeing that all come to life where, you know, we've got our guys in place. We've got a really solid roster. Uh, we've got some older guys that have now started for us a couple of years that have gone through that, um, you know, have, have won some games, have won in some big situations, even in, even in years. And, uh, you know, so I think we're seeing that, that, and, you know, we just set a little bit higher expectation this year for ourselves and, uh, you know, having gone through the conference now, even even for myself, learning the league a little bit better and what we need to do uh, each day to get better and, and each night, you know, learning the new ways of traveling. You know, and, and at Cabrini, we could jump in a van and game in 20 minutes and no big deal. And, you know, in the CAC, and for us, we're, we're a centrally located team. So I know some other guys are probably rolling their eyes at me when we got to travel three, three and a half hours for uh, – night for a game when they take overnights but uh for me it's just kind of learning learning the cac and um you know getting the lay of the land and, and recruiting accordingly and i think that um you know certainly with the help of uh, my assistant coaches I and mean, mark sansone has been he's led us from the recruiting trail and done a great job getting this roster where it is now and um what, what a big asset he's been uh here for us in our program and you know, we've got guys that come in now and want to work hard every day and understand it or trusting the process that we're going through and um, showing up every day to win. So, 15 and 5. Um, well, go ahead. No, 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 go please. I was just going to say, I'm glad we are. You know, we're, we're finally seeing this all come to life. 15 and 5 overall, 9 and 4, uh, and tied with Salisbury. Um, really, your losses tend to come in bunches. You lost three out of five early in the season against Carnegie Mellon, York, and Salisbury with wins against uh, St. Mary's and Southern Virginia sandwiched in. And then you lost uh, in mid-January to Frostburg and Christopher Newport with a win against Marymount in the middle of that. So you kind of you lose in bunches, but once you win, you kind of go on a roll here. You're on a four-game winning streak. And you've got an interesting road ahead of you. you got Harrisburg. Uh, uh, then on the road to Frostburg State, where they're playing seemingly inspired ball with Coach uh, Hatch's final season. Then on the road at Wesley. Then home against Christopher Newport and Marymount. To some degree, you got some challenges, but you also have the teams that you probably want to beat coming to your place. 
Yes, I mean that. That's I think that's very fair to say that you know um, I don't have to go down to see you again, especially at the end of the year. That's, yeah. that's not an easy film play. So it's good to have them on our court. Um, but you know they've beat us here the last two years as well, for three years. Uh, so we, we have our work cut for us where we go. I think we, even last night at St. Mary, while their record may not show it, that's a good team. It's got a lot of talent, and uh, we learned a lot my time here that if you this conference is so competitive top to bottom that especially going on the road, if you play, you're going to get beat. And, uh, you know, we, we are uh, certainly most focused right now on Harrisburg coming in a very a good Harrisburg team uh, that just beats you up and plays hard. And, you know, they added a transfer at semester that uh, gave us a lot of trouble the first time around. And uh, so, you know, we got a lot to prepare for for Saturday, but yes, and they go to Frostburg, hopefully, you know, get that one back and uh, after losing to them here on our floor. And uh, they're only a game back of us in the plate, you know, in, in the yeah. standing. So we we got uh, a lot to play for still. And But, yes, of course, you know, having uh, uh, you coming here and, and playing Marymount here is, is makes it nice for sure. When we talk about this squad and you talk about what, what the differences have been, what's been – what what have you been trying to look for, if that makes any sense, in in recruits and in style of players? Because it feels like you're you're going in it a little bit differently than Cabrini, and in some ways that makes sense because Cabrini and Mary Washington very different institutions. Yeah, and I, I think that that's uh, that's exactly it. I would, uh, and and again, that's part of what took me a little bit of time to kind of figure out, um, you know who was going to be a Mary Washington guy. And, uh, you know, I think basketball is basketball, but there's a lot more obviously that goes into it when it comes to the big picture. <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, being, being in a different place, uh, recruiting different locations, um, for us it makes the most sense to really stay in state for the most part. Um, so now, you know, learning Virginia and um, finding the areas where we can get people interested in, in coming here. And, you know, in, in that first year we were – going to places that, you know, maybe Mary Washington hadn't been before. Um, so, we, we, you know, we, we're running hopefully very similar style to what we did at Cabrini, certainly with different players. Um, and, and it's taken a little bit of time to adapt. But, you know, we, we, we've, we've got some good guards. And I think we're a lot deeper this year than what we have been. And, um, you know, Eric Shaw has been just tremendous for us. He's our four-year guy, my first four-year guy here, uh, who's been starting all four years for us. So he's really leading us and a uh, local kid who's done a very good job um, in all aspects. I mean, when you know, he leads us in a lot of the statistical categories, but more importantly, just his, his energy he brings every day. And, uh, you know, in the locker room last night before we took the floor, they came back in, and I usually give them one last little you know, here we're doing matchups and try to get them a little more inspired. And Eric came in and started talking. And at the end of it, I just said, yep, let's go. I mean, he says it all. He's, he, he's got it all covered. So he's really leading us uh, in, in every way. And um, it's a lot of fun to see. And that's kind of what we saw, you know, back at Cabrini when that first class started leading the charge. And I didn't have to say quite as much every day that's when we really got a lot better. And you can see that happening now in our junior class. We've got a couple guys, and Jacob Williams and Johnny Cronin that started as freshmen and sophomore, and you can see them really kind of taking the reins as well. So um, I think that's, you know, that, that's what's really making a difference for us. 
you do have only one senior, and it is Eric Shaw. Uh, he's leading the team at 15 points a game. He's got five rebounds a game, handing out nearly two assists as well. That's what's maybe the scary part if you're the CAC is, okay, you lose your top scorer in Eric, but Drew Daw Johnson, a freshman at 12.5 points a game, is second. Johnny Cronin, a junior, at 10 points a game, third. A.J. Robinson, a sophomore, eight points, nine points a game. Mark Madison, a sophomore, nine points a game. Uh, Kiori Stewart, a junior, eight points a game. Those guys are going to step up to replace Eric, and if anything, you now have depth, and you've got uh, a lot of underclassmen who can do that. This year may be the, the turning year for this Eagles program into what the program you've wanted to create. Yes, I, I think so. I, I think um... – that, that we're starting again. We're starting to see that see see the process work and uh, get our roster to to where we need it to be, where we want it to be, and seeing young guys step up. And again, I think that it all starts, uh, you know, in the recruiting process. And uh, we've been we've been finding the right guys that come and, and are sticking it out, and uh, you know, willing to develop and, and and trust us that we know what we're doing here as a coaching staff, and you know that. Uh, Jumping in with two feet, you know, a guy like Drew, who was recruited pretty heavily, you know, in Virginia with with a lot of the really good ODAC schools around it. Uh, it, it didn't hurt having his older brother play here, but uh, and Taylor <laughs> Johnson, but that that helped. But you know, Drew coming in and and as a freshman stepping in and not really playing like a freshman, he didn't really take much time to to feel it out, and uh, he jumped in, and you know, we trusted him, he trusted us, and it's it's been working out well. Let's talk about this conference a little bit. Again, York leading the way, 18-2, 11-2 conference play, has had a lot of top 25 attention, rightly so, of late. Christopher Newport, 16-4, 10-3, but not themselves. Um, maybe having to rely on younger players a little sooner than usual. They might be scary next year. Salisbury in that rebuild at 13-7, and 9-4. And, and then Frostburg, as I said, inspired, sitting right behind you guys, 10-10, 8-5 overall. Wesley not really in the conversation, nor is Marymount, though I know certainly in the conversation for you guys. This conference is not how this has been the last couple of years, and I don't know if that's what you all expected going in or not, but it really is kind of wide open outside of the fact that York's in control a little bit. Yeah, I, th I think that that's, that's been um, you know really what, what we here have been talking about anyway, that you know if we can just kind of keep in this final four, you know, top four, down these last couple of weeks, you know, it, it can become anybody's anybody's league to win. And mm -hmm. I think that, uh, you know, the good and the bad is, is every night you're playing against competition. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, you look at the games and, you know, last night a, a CNU Salisbury game, like that's a big, that's a big game. You know, it has major impact, obviously, on conference. But I think, you know, like you said, last couple of years recently and maybe even nationally a little bit with, with some of the rankings anyway. And, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of really good players in our conference. And again, I think anybody can beat anybody. And, you know, so you gotta, I think what, the other thing that we've learned here is well, what's helping us this year is we really just focused on the game in front of us and not looked at the big picture too much. This year has been more of a focus on day to day and, uh, just win the game in front of you and don't worry about who's coming up or where we have to go or if we win this weekend, this will put us in this position. I think this year we really just, you know, win a game. And, you know, today it's, hey, let's focus on Harrisburg. Last night was good. It was a good win for us. But we got to keep moving forward. And, uh, um, 
because uh, I think it, it'd be too easy with all the, the good teams that, uh, and especially the way it's stacking up here down the down the stretch, to so many different scenarios that I think as long as we we stay focused on what it is we need to do, I think we'll be all right. Um, quickly, a reminder to anybody who's not paying attention: the CAC loses Marymount and Wesley next year. Uh, there was talk of Southern Virginia possibly joining the ODAC, though that didn't end up happening. And who knows what what York may be thinking? Are, are you? I, I know there's only so much a coach can control, and there's only so much you can focus on to some degree. But is there any worry about the CAC future and and where it may be as it gets a little bit smaller here and starts to get a little tight on numbers? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think that it's you know we're we're a strong conference. Uh, uh, we are losing two, you know, two good teams, and uh, and from, from a basketball standpoint, but I. You know, I really haven't given it much thought in the big picture of the conferences. Again, that's that's way above me in offices on the other side of campus, and uh, for those people to decide. But I I, I think we're going to be just fine. You know, the, the what it, the way it's affected me is scheduling. We got to go find four more games now and figure out where we're going to put them, and uh, you know, going to adding another tournament or, or whatever we need to do. But that that's that's really the way it's affected us, and. Um, but I, I think as a conference, we're, we're, we're just fine. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on and talking about your Eagles and, and how things are going. I've been kind of waiting for this opportunity. I didn't want to call you too soon and go, hey, Coach, when, when are you going to be good? Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad we found a good excuse to get you on and fascinated to see how this conference race will finish this year and, and where your program continues to move forward in the future. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, well, I just really appreciate you giving me the time to come on and, and, and talk about my program and, and, and the strides that we are making, and uh, you know, and in our conference that we're a part of. You know, it's uh, it's a good league. Our team's getting better. We're going to try to make a serious run at this thing here, and uh, I just appreciate uh, all the work you do on, on getting Division Three basketball out there. It's um, the one outlet we really have, and I appreciate the hard work you put into it. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Enjoy the rest of the season. We'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Marcus Kahn joining us from Mary Washington on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they've got Penn State Harrisburg coming up on Saturday at home. Then they're on the road Wednesday against Frostburg State. That's a tough day to travel. And then on the road at Wesley next Saturday before finishing at home against Christopher Newport and Marymount. Some key games ahead as they are 15-5, and 9-4 and four in the conference, sitting two games back in a tie for third of first place, York, who's 18-2 and two and 11-2 and two overall. CAC race wide open and a lot of games to determine what may happen down the road. Going to take another break when we come back. Um, let's see here. Jay has a quick question. He says, I don't know if you saw this in time. Don't know if you'll have any contacts out in State College, but several contacts at a few of the various PSU campuses have been quietly mentioning that the university is looking at forming a league, I'm guessing similar to the WIAC, containing the PSU campuses. I know firsthand that every campus is building dorms, and they are looking to grow enrollment across the state. They're also improving facilities without having to worry about the cost of football. Similar to the PA, Division II PSAC, I'm hearing they're looking at two conferences and East and West format. Have you heard anything or your thoughts? I'll quickly say before we go to break, I have heard that, that some of the Penn State campuses, and there are a ton of Penn State campuses, um, are looking to maybe come into Division III. I don't know the details outside of that. Uh, it would be a huge influx and a long four-year process for those schools to come in. 
We'll have um, coming up uh, Dave Nyland from Penn State Barron on the show. He may be able to give some insight because that kind of conference could also disrupt the NEAC and the AMCC to some degree um, because I would imagine those Penn State schools or even Penn State Harrisburg out of the CAC might be intrigued to join the Penn State groups and leave their current conferences, especially if it helps with numbers. But I'm completely speculating. I don't know enough of what's going on. I tend to have trouble following Penn, uh, following institutions or conferences from outside the division trying to make a move. I know what you're referring to in, sort of in terms of the PSAC, but it's hard for me to follow those things outside of Division Three because I don't have a lot of relationships in those groups where we have a lot of relationships in Division Three. I've also heard some rumblings that there may be something going on afoot uh, further north, but it's too hard to say. And we're still on the lookout for a couple of things here. Today is the deadline for to apply for Division Two, and we're supposed to have getting word of whether Texas Tyler and um, Benedictine are going through with what they've announced as those decisions. We haven't gotten word, and today's the deadline. Um, on top of that, we're waiting to find out who may have been accepted into Division Three to start their membership. I've got a couple schools I've got my eye on, though I'll keep to myself for now. So, a lot of crazy things going on, and I'm and and if they were to do that, that'd be a huge number coming in, and could have a huge impact on a lot of things. We'll have to wait and see to some degree. But Jay, I'm not really sure uh, what to make of it, to be honest with you. We'll see. Going to take a break when we come back. Where are we headed, by the way? Um, oh, yeah, heading up to New York State. SUNY Geneseo women's coach um, Scott Hemmer will join us. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC studios, more Hoopsville after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Microphone didn't trigger. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this marathon show. We are a little under four hours in. 
got a long way to go. We got to pace ourselves. I still got to figure out. I've been enjoying the coffee, and I can get to uh, other drinks rather rather easily. But the real trick is going to be getting a bite to eat here soon. We are going live most of the way, and we try to be live for this twenty four hours as much of the way. But we do throw in some pre taped segments for a ver- variety of reasons. Sometimes we can't get a guest on when we want to, but the other reason is it gives us a break. Well. Um, due to just real not thinking type parts, we don't have a pre-taped segment for several more hours. So here we go. All right, let's keep talking uh, Division Three basketball. We're going to jump up now into the New York State area, into the SUNYAC on the women's side, where once again the SUNYAC is in full control by Geneseo. They've got a three-and-a-half game lead on Oneonta and New Paltz, along with Cortland, who are in a three-way tie at eight and four for second place. Brockport sitting in fifth at eight and five. And Geneseo is 18-2 on the season. They're two losses to a, two pretty good squads, Messiah and the second game of the season, and Rochester Tech just four games ago. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach of the Knights of Geneseo, it is Scott Hemmer. And, Scott, I'll say this to get it out of the way. I am glad to be talking to you under these circumstances versus what we have traditionally been doing the last couple of years. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a change of pace, so uh, <clears throat> it'll be nice to come on and have a little fun with you this time. Yeah, so let's leave it at that and move on. 18-2 and on the season, 13-0 and overall, second game of the season again. A loss on the road at Messiah in what was a crazy weekend at Messiah in terms of, <laughs> of, uh, of uh, sports going on. That was nuts, and you guys part of a tri-tournament tri there. <laughs> Um, and then, going on. Yeah, and then lost to RIT back on the 23rd, of course, at their place as well. What what's your take on the season? I, I don't know how to read into those two games. I know they're good opponents, but I don't know what your thoughts are on them. Well, I I think um, you know the the Messiah game. Um, I just don't know if we were ready for that. Um, you know, we we came out early in the season and we scrim- our first two scrimmages were against Division two teams and. You know, this is this is coming off a, a season last year when we didn't lose a regular season game. We advanced to the Sweet 16, um, and then we turn around and we graduate all five all five starters. And so we come into this year, <clears throat> we're you know a couple weeks in, and we square off against two Division two teams um, for scrimmages. And you know, here we are throwing a bunch of freshmen into the fire, and and some sophomores who had limited roles last year um, are asked to uh, to increase their minutes. And their load and um, you know we we got through that we learned a lot about ourselves and we go on the road and we play a, a very very good Messiah team um, I mean I mean they're really good and uh, they're experienced they're well coached and you know I, I was really proud of proud of our players you know seven minutes to go I think we were up one or two and um, you know we just just fell apart at the end and unfortunately that's um, a little bit of maybe I should have done a bit of better job. Uh, maybe we're, we were just a little too young at that point. But uh, I think we learned a little bit about ourselves that opening weekend. And then, um, you know, from there we, we, we had some success. We opened conference play on the road against Onion and New Paltz, two teams that, you know, are favored to, to have a shot to win the conference this year. And uh, we, we go down, we get a little bit of a cushion late in the game and, and hand it hand it back to them and, and end up in a bit of a nail-biter down the stretch and, you know, talked in the locker room afterwards that we had to learn and then get back on the bus and go play New Paltz and find ourselves down 18 going into the fourth quarter and 
and come back and win. So, you know, again, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. But, but that RIT game, um, I, I mean, again, RIT is really good. They they have most everybody back last year from a team that that made the NCAA's and and got out of the first round and. You know, here they are. They're starting a couple of seniors and a couple of juniors, and you know, we're we're turning around and throwing three freshmen and two juniors back at them, and throwing a little ammunition that we uh, we beat them at the buzzer in overtime last year, and and we knew that was going to be a tough one for us. But um, you know, I, again, <clears throat> to to share a story with you, I I took my two sons, Grady, who's nine, and Luke, who's seven, to uh, see the new Star Wars a few weeks ago. I told you I'd get a Yoda reference in here. And <laughs> well done. Um, at, at one point during the uh, at one point during the the movie, Yoda says to Luke Skywalker, uh, "Greatest teacher failure is." And mm. so I I when I did the post game interview, I think you know J C DeLast, W I S L, he, mm-hmm. he broadcasts our game. I said to him in the post game interview that, you know, I, I was going to mention that to my players in the locker room afterwards, and of course I've taken some heat for that since, but um, you know, I, I walked into the locker room and I, I said that to them afterward, that you know, th- this may end up being the best thing that happened to us. Um, you know, we're down 14 points at half, and, and then really turned it on defensively as well as on the boards in the second half, and so I told them that, you know, they 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 didn't look like a young team in the second half, and and maybe for the first time, um, on both ends of the floor, they didn't look young. And if if they could find a commitment to to playing that way every night, that they'd be a tough out the rest of the way. And you know, credit RIT, they made some big shots down the stretch. I think they shot about 60% from the arc for the game, but. You know, we ended up losing by one possession. We only shot 50% from the line. We're normally shooting right, right, almost 70%, and we just didn't grind it out in the second quarter and and kind of gave it away. So, you know, again, if they learn from that, um, we could have a really you know special finish here. And and so far, it's looking like they took something from from that loss as as well as early on from Messiah. Yeah, I think if you're the Suniac, you're demoralized because you guys did lose all these seniors, and and you're still. Uh, in control of the conference. You have one senior on the squad, and nothing against Sam Barry, but she's not the one that jumps out at you when you look at the stat sheet. It's the underclassmen, which I know you guys have been strong with for a number of years, but it's McKenna Brooks and Kelsey Popolowski and, and Sarah uh, Ciotti who are leading the way, junior, junior, sophomore, along with Natalie Alfieri, a freshman, and Lindsay Halpin, a freshman, uh, Karen Montgomery, freshman. It's the underclassmen that have stepped up and if you're the Suniac, you got to feel like, oh, come on, Scott, quit reloading this squad. Um, and this squad has learned quick what the expectations are for the Knights. Well, yeah, I, I you know, I, I think honestly that it, it, some of the credit goes to, to people that have played for me in the past to help, you know, create a culture here where where winning has become right. the expectation and competing for a conference title year in and year out is an expectation. There's no guarantees, and you know we're, we go in knowing that, but we certainly expect to to be in in position to compete for that down the stretch. And I think our current players, especially the returners, have worked very hard to maintain that that culture culture especially as as you said with so many freshmen on the roster who are playing significant roles and you know it's it's something they've worked hard at from the first day that everyone was back on campus you know forming a family atmosphere where they love and trust each other and those two things can carry a team with some talent a long way and 
It, it's really been amazing to watch this this particular group bond so quickly. I think their chemistry um, is is what's allowed us to graduate five senior starters and pick right up where we left off. And you know, don't get me wrong, we were pretty green early in the season, but yeah. but they've gotten better with the the two Division two scrimmages and the Messiah and the RIT and and. They're 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 doing some good things. I I give them a lot of credit. They're uh, they're showing maturity beyond their years. As we said, you got a three-way tie behind you in Oyana, New Paltz, and Cortland with Brockport just just barely behind that three-way tie for a second. And of course, Oyana, New Paltz, Brockport are the next three. Brockport, New Paltz, Oyana mm-hmm. in that order, and then Cortland and Oswego. The next three are at home. Then the following two are on the road. You're you're still in the in the thick of this one, and while you've got a comfortable lead in the conference. Those teams are vying for positions. You might want to make sure that certain teams are in certain spots as well. There's a lot to play for still. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I know I sound cliche at times, but um, we're we're really not focused on that. You know, this group doesn't, they don't, they don't know Cortland's tradition, and they don't know that, you know, New Paltz has has been tough on us in championship games and the rivalry with Brockport, and I mean, they they don't understand all of that necessarily, and and we try to avoid that from day one. You know, with them is. You know, let, let's let's focus on us. Um, this season's, uh, you know, a marathon, not a sprint. Especially since we had so much growing to do, um, it's it's kind of absurd how far we we felt early on, at least, we had to come to 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 be in a place to compete. And and they've they've really they've really showed, you know, very quickly that that they can come together. And you know, I, I'll tell you, they're really they're really starting to hate the young label. Um, sure. You know, when we first started, that was what we we went with, and you know that it was going to take a few months for us to compete at a real high level. But once they started getting a taste of winning, um, they they didn't want that profile anymore. So, you know, I, I I've told them if you don't want to be referred to as young, stop playing like it. And um, you know, they've really found some consistency, more consistency, anyways, on both ends of the floor um, since that lost RIT and. With what we have coming up, you mentioned, you know, Oneonta, New Paltz, Brockport, Cortland, on deck, all those schools that are right behind us. Um, we just have to, to focus on ourselves and continue to get better and grow. And if we do that, you know, I, hopefully we'll be in a position, like we said, to compete at the end, and that's all we're shooting for. I find you to be one of the more brutal, uh, brutally honest coaches to your team. And not that any coach isn't honest. Uh, certainly, I, I think most coaches are very honest with their teams. But I think to some degree you, you give it to them even more straight than others. I think some may not tell them everything or try not to tell them everything or give it to them straight out, as you said. You might go back in the locker room and say what you know the conversation with Delas was, or you might say X, Y, and Z, or, hey, yeah, we're young. Okay, we're not young, or now we've moved. Have you found that that, that mentality of being that upfront with your team is something that your players welcome um, and maybe when you recruit those players, welcome it too. That maybe sometimes they're not always told the, the whole story. Well, yeah, I, 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 it's a specific type of, of student athlete that, that we look for. Um, you know, I, I think that's first and, and foremost. And I think the honesty has become part of the culture. I, I, you know, say to them all the time. My assistant coaches actually came up with it. Um, you know, you. You want honest or nice, you can't always have both. And um, I, I think our players respect that and, and appreciate that. And, um, 
you know, I, I, I think, you know, listen, those, those two horrific tragedies that we've faced the, the, in the middle of our seasons for, the, for two consecutive years is, is not something that any of us will ever move on from. Um, but, you know, as we said at the time, we were going to move forward together, and that's what we've done. We don't pretend it didn't happen, but we continue to honor Kelsey and Savannah any way we can. But, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, the young players on the team at that point in time were forced to grow up very quickly. And so now, you know, they're, they're kind of being thrown as, as juniors and, and sophomores. And obviously you mentioned Sam Barry earlier, and, and she's, she's really the team mom. She keeps it together. But you've got some juniors and sophomores who have to take on a little bit of leadership role. And, and I think, you know, having gone through those two experiences in, in the last two years, again, those, those kids had to grow up quickly. And, and so, you know, they, they, they took honest from me. That's all they knew was honest from me right out of the gate and and we've kind of rolled with that and um you know again if we find the right right type of incoming freshman to to blend in with what we have with with that type of mentality um you know we we can get on the same page quickly and fortunately that's that's happened for us this year you mentioned it i just want to quickly touch on it the one night um aspects of it and the losses that the programs did have how much is is keeping their memory and keeping them as part of you know those stories as part of this of the program's story as it were important and how much is it to move on and and certainly nothing against the family but you know put that behind you and no longer let it be part of the story well in in short i i think um i think both of their families are still very much part of the program and and you know we try to promote that and and lean on that as, as much as we can and i think it it's good on both ends to have um have that to, to fall back on. But, uh, you know, again, our veterans, sophomores, juniors, one senior, um, if you want to call them veterans, but they, they've gone through a lot. <laughs> they've gone through a lot. And, um, but I do think because of that maturity they developed through those experiences, they recognize that it isn't fair to this group to only play for that as their purpose, that, mm-hmm. that this group needs to have their own purpose. And, you know, I think their ability to do that, you know, again, shows that, that this group is really mature beyond their years. Um, before we let you go, where do you think you guys sit in the conversation when it comes to the region? Uh, I, I have no idea. I, I mean, the, the RIT loss, um, you know, again, it, 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 I think we're better off for it. Um, you know, we didn't lose last year. Um, right. We went through the entire regular season without a loss. And, you know, when you lose by one in your conference championship game and, and that's your first loss of the se- season, that that's tough to rebound from. And, and you look at our first half against Muhlenberg in, in the, the first round of the NCAAs, it, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, we turned it around in the second half. But, you know, that almost – that that late of a loss was was pretty devastating to us and um you know i i think this loss a little bit earlier as much as it's going to hurt us in the region will will make us a better team um but i think we've i think we've done enough um to to keep ourselves in the conversation and you know i i've said to our players you have to control what we you can control and we can't worry about any of that we have to keep focusing on getting better and hopefully this year we can 
make it to that game on Saturday again and, and maybe get it, and then we don't have to worry about the committee. But um, I, I think we've done enough to keep ourselves in, in conversation to, be, uh, to get some, some regional recognition. And I, I, I think I'm not sure the, the East region always gets as much credit as they deserve. I think there's some strong teams in here. Um, I think the Liberty League this year is, is as good as, as a lot of conferences in the country. You look at uh, – we've talked about RIT. I think they're really good. Um, uh, Ithaca's now in that conference. St. Lawrence is, is right there with Skidmore and Ithaca, a game back of RIT, um, all with, with records well above 500. Um, St. John Fisher, um, Melissa Kaberka, one of my former players, was an All-American here. It's first year as coach there. She's doing a fabulous job. She's got them in first place in, in that conference. And then, of course, you always have Rochester. I, you know, they've got arguably the best player in the country in Alexandra Leslie. And so there are some really good teams in, in our region, but I think we, we certainly have done enough to, to be in the mix with, with the ones I just mentioned. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk about the team. It's fascinating how good it is considering how much you did lose. Um, and we wish you luck the rest of the way, especially in conference action. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Uh, well, I, I, I hope all the student-athletes that, uh, that are listening to your show today have a great finish down the stretch here. You know, these, these years that kids have to play basketball on a team will end up being some of the, the fondest memories they'll, they'll ever have. So I encourage all the student-athletes out there to, uh, to make the most out of them and, and what they have left. Uh, it'll be gone before they know it. Um, certainly want to thank you as well as D3 Hoops for providing all the players at, at this level a, a platform to, to showcase their talents both on and off the court. I think uh, certainly all of us that are associated with, with basketball at the D3 level are uh, very appreciative. And um, I guess, you know, one more thing for you, Dave. I know, uh, I know you find as much enjoyment from food as I do. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I thought I'd extend an invite to you. We have late oh. practices here every Thursday. And uh, my coaching staff and, and I refer to it as Pizza Thursday, where oh. we, uh, we go out afterwards and basically engulf as much pizza and chicken wings that any human could possibly endure. So, um, you know, maybe we could extend an offer for you to take the show on the road and maybe join us for a remote edition. You could uh, do the show right here from Pizza Paul's in Geneseo, and we could eat until we're both truly uncomfortable and see where the show goes from there. All I right. thought it may, might be fun for you to get on the road. So anytime you want to come up on a Thursday and join us, we'd love to have you. You know what? I might take you up on that, sir. That sounds like a fun <laughs> idea to me. Um, there you go, buddy. That might, and then we'll make a whole weekend out of it or something. Head elsewhere. Yeah, and do for things. sure. We'll try we'll get and get Jimmy Lyons involved. There. Oh, look at you dropping some some old school names right there on me. <laughs> well done, sir. Uh yeah, I'd love to. We'll talk in the future about that for sure. I love the idea. Uh, we'll do that, and I can I can go almost anywhere from Geneseo and the Rochester area to see some Division Three and, and keep the weekend alive. So let's talk about that for the future for sure. Uh, thanks, good. thanks for taking the time, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Stay hydrated. Get something to eat, uh, my friend. I'll try. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Take care. Take care. Scott Hammer joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, tremendous uh, by him. And just because uh, we've had this set up and haven't used it. Yeah. Gets an applause for the idea for going up there and doing a show maybe out of a nice restaurant. Um, we're going to take a break. Uh, I know our simulcast for Facebook has come 
uh, to an end, we're going to try and start a second simulcast. The, we're also going to try and start another recording instead of having one really long recording um, on our computer for podcast reasons. So this is going to be a bit of a break. If there's any hiccup in the Ustream or the uh, YouTube broadcast that you're watching, we apologize. We're going to try and do this with as few hiccups as possible, but it may cause one. Just bear with us. We will be back. It'll be a momentary break if there is one. But just, uh, like I said, bear with us. Coming up next, Capital Women's Coach Dixie Jeffers joins us on Hoopsville to talk about a number of things. We look forward to having her on the show. And also, uh, after that, Claire Marburger from Luther will join us. Then we'll talk to Susquehanna's head coach and player about a great cause there. Kenny Doss from Manchester up ahead. Shenandoah's got a new gym. We'll talk to their first-year men's head coach there. And Chris Martin ahead. That's all before the 4 o'clock Eastern time zone or uh, time clock hits. That's still ahead. You're watching Hoops Hoop presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We'll be back with more. And again, if the stream breaks up, bear with us. We're coming back. I assure you, trust me, it'll be there. Thanks. Uh, back in a moment. 